And so we're in the book of Hebrews right now. And we are uh, walking through and understanding the other books that we've already read this year. For those of you who have been with us along this journey, we've gone through Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus. Uh, the heart of the law, we're going to be continuing that after this and finishing up what's known as the Pentateuch uh, later on this year. But the heart of the law is what we've been going through. And Hebrews is helping us to put this in a New Testament perspective to help us to understand why this is here. Because Hebrews were written for Hebrew believers early in the first century. And so the writer of Hebrews is laying all of this out. And for those of you who've been following along with us, we read chapters 9 and 10 this week. How many of you did the reading this week? I mean, we could have read that like in 10 minutes, seriously. Uh, it was really quick reading, uh, but there's a lot in these passages of Scripture because the writer of Hebrews, through this entire point, is, is trying to come to a conclusion. We're going to get to that today. And today's sermon is titled, Confidence in a Better Covenant. And so, what are some things that you can't imagine living without? I I think we've come to an age where I think if I said computer, I think all of us would say, yeah, we can't live without a computer. I mean, some of you may even have refrigerators that have computers in them, honestly. We have smart refrigerators. I don't know that I want my refrigeration unit smarter than me, so I just leave that alone, okay? But here's some things that I wrote down. Here's my list of things. My list of things that I can't do without. And it's just a small list, right? I'm sure I could list more. Copy and paste, right? And I learned about the shift button. Maybe you guys already knew this, but if you wanted to keep, if you didn't want the formatting to be taken from the place to where you're copying and paste to, you press the shift button and then it'll keep the formatting that you have. Some of you who are proficient in this, you know this. I found this out like two weeks ago because of Hunter. And it's like revolutionized my life. It's like, where were you like three years ago? I mean, seriously. Smartphones. As much as they can be a bane to our existence, they're a huge help, aren't they? I mean, we get so much information in a moment's notice because of our smartphones. Digital books. Now, some of you, how many of you are like paper only? I can only do paper. There are some of you like, just give me four, you know, four stacks of, you know, houses full of books and I'm fine. Me, I'm like, I have thousands of books at my disposal because of my electronic devices. Whether I'm using my computer, whether I'm using my tablet, whether I'm using my phone, I can get, get up and get back to reading whatever it was that I was reading last. Okay, And I love that. So digital books are something that I really think are amazing. Automobiles. You know, we take that for granted. How many of you came in an automobile today? Raise your hand. I'm 20 miles away, dude. (laughs) Greg's over here like, I live across the street. We're good. (laughs) So... um, the, the idea of automobiles, all of us, even if we took the bus system, that's an automobile, okay? We, we are so used to stuff like that. Um, on-demand entertainment. I'm sorry, I've, I've been hooked on it. I'm sure many of you are hooked on it as well. The whole idea that we can look at something. It used to be growing up, you'd wait an entire week for your next episode. And then you would hope and pray that it was good enough that they would play reruns over the summer. You guys understand what I'm saying? Because you didn't get to go and buy the whole DVD portion of stuff. They didn't have those things, right? 
So on-demand entertainment is nice. So now I can go back even 50 years concerning these old shows, and they're right there at my fingertips, right? Digital recording, like the stuff that we're doing right now for our devotions. I love those things. I love the fact that we can get that information out. Auto pay. Oh, my goodness. How many of you love auto pay? Yes, I do. I hated writing checks all the time for all my bills, licking it and putting it in there and hoping to do it on time. I love auto pay. But while these are things that I'm just so used to, there are a number of things that I'm not quite used to yet. So these are my lists uh, that I haven't adapted to yet. Online grocery shopping and delivery. Now, my daughter, who happens to be here today, is a fan of online grocery shopping and delivery. She's like, this has been a lifesaver. I don't even have to go anywhere. I just called, and they just come and deliver it to my house. I have not done that once, ever. This new generation, how many of you have done that? How many of you live by it? Like, yes, please, thank you. I'm not there yet. Online shopping in general. For me, it's a last resort. I'll do it, but you know what I want? I want to go to the store, see if it has it first. Some of you guys are like, why would you waste your time going to the store when you can just order from Amazon, right? (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, I like the experience of going out with people, just like some of you like the experience of having 17,000 books in your house. I mean, I'm just saying. The newer social media, I'm stuck on Facebook. I'm just going to be honest with you. Facebook is my jam. Facebook is still the largest social media platform, and that's where businesses go to get their business from other people, okay? So that's still the most, uh, that's the most popular. But all the newer ones, Instagram, which is not new, sorry, it's not new anymore. You've got TikTok, you've got all these other social media apps that people are a part of. I'm just not a part of that. You get to a point where you're just like, ah, not for me, Right? Electric cars or self-driving ones. I don't think anybody here has a self-driving one. Maybe you do have that self-driving feature. But the electric cars, I'm just, I'm not there for plugging in my car yet. Like, and I'm not sure that I'll ever get there. But these are things that, you know, people say so much easier, right? DoorDash. My son's worked for DoorDash and done DoorDashing. Have I ever used it? No, I have not. There's just something about, you know, it's Taco Bell. Why am I going to pay you to go pick up my Taco Bell? I'm just saying, it's Taco Bell. That's it. I know, it's probably anathema saying it's Taco Bell here in New Mexico, but I, I do. I'm serious. And then online portals. I don't, I don't think me and Shannon have once looked at one of our online portals for blank, whatever. Yeah. It's all your stuff in one place. Yeah, I get it. Just tell me what it is. Right? Just tell me what it is. There comes a point, no matter what age you are, there's going to come a point where you're just going to be like, it's not worth learning the new technology. Even though I, it's going to save my life, it's going, to, it's going to save me so much time, I don't want to use the brain power to learn something new. I've been learning something new over and over and over, and I finally got used to this. Now you're saying, but this is better. But in order for it to be better, I have to study for three months and trying to figure this out to make it easier and better for me. I'm sorry, I'm done. We've all done it, right? There's this new and improved stuff. Well, this is kind of where we're going 
When we're talking, you know, when we're talking about conveniences like this, this is one thing. But this is kind of what we're doing when we're looking at the book of Hebrews. The entire book of Hebrews is about this comparison from the old covenant to the new. As a matter of fact, even during Jesus' ministry, um, we look up in Luke chapter 5, and I don't have the verses today, so when you see the reference there, pull out your Bibles, pull out your phones, pull up your Bible app. Read along with me. But at the end of Luke chapter 5, in in Jesus' ministry, he tells them this parable. He says, no one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on an old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment. And the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for he says, the old is better. See, in Jesus' ministry, you know what he's talking about? Instituting the new covenant in his blood. This is what he's talking about in this parable. This is what the Hebrew believers have believed. And yet at the same time, Their list of things that they go back to, this was their old way of life. So these are the things that they're comparing with. The Hebrews list, we've already talked about it. And all the way through chapter 9 and up to chapter 10, we've compared it with angels and prophets, with Moses and Joshua and other leaders, with the high priests, and this past week with the tabernacle and the sacrifices. This was their life. This is what they were used to. And the writer of Hebrews has been making a case for nearly 10 chapters of saying, all of that that you did before, everything that was there, Jesus and the covenant in his blood is better. All that you were doing before, this is better. But better is not always easier. Just like changing new technologies. There's a learning curve that's there, right? Before you get the benefit. I have to work harder at the beginning to get the benefit of how much easier it's going to make my life. Right? And there does come a point where you say, I I just think it's too hard. I'm not going to do it. And so when we get to the end of chapter 10, what we're walking into is the conclusion of this entirety of this argument. Because we see this, this shift In argumentation from 10 on, we're going to see that. But it begins here in chapter 10. And that's what we're going to look at today. But in chapter 10, he goes through and he talks about because Jesus is so much better, these are the things that we should be looking forward to. And there's three sections of Scripture. We're actually going to go back in backwards order because we need to understand what was happening with the Hebrews at the time. These Hebrew believers at the time, why the writer is saying, you need to recognize that Jesus is better than all of these things. Why is that? Why, why is it so important that he made this huge case and now we come to the conclusion of this matter in chapter 10? We're going to take it backwards Take it section by section backwards from chapter 10. The first section of Scripture is this. Hebrews 10, chapter, chapter 10, verses 32 through 39. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground 
in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution, and at other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what has been promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. So what's going on? The Hebrew believers are being persecuted for their faith harshly they're having their property confiscated they're being thrown in jail and the problem with that for you and me is that when we have those things foisted upon us the old way of life that we lived before begins to look very enticing when you and I start living for Christ and then there is a hardship that happens, what happens to you and me normally is we run back to the old things because they were a comfort to us at one time, no matter what it was. And so here they have this persecution is happening right now. And the writer of Hebrews has said, don't throw away your confidence that these things are better. No matter what you're dealing with right now, you have something that's long-lasting, eternal in nature. Please understand that it's worth every sacrifice that you've had. And remember, you joyfully took that earlier. But now it's becoming hard. You know, as the world closes in on us, we're kind of experiencing the same thing, aren't we? It's, it's becoming hard. And if you are like me and you are anything like just any believer anywhere, when the walls start closing in and we feel the pressure of this world, that, that whole idea of us giving in to our former temptations just because it's easier, it's familiar, it's the way we, we used to find comfort and escape from the pressures of this world, no matter what it is. Seems really enticing, doesn't it? Especially when the world may be honing in on those very sins. I mean, good grief, we live in New Mexico. Guess what we have? We've got drugs and we've got sex everywhere, don't we? And if those are your temptations, guess what? This land definitely does not help you with it, does it? Ever since they've legalized marijuana, there's a cannabis store every other building. It's almost as if cannabis is almost a new religion, right? I could swear by this. I I could... Snake oil. That's all it is. Snake oil salesman. Trying to tell you that if you do this, things will get better. And people who walk into that never get better. Not talking about the medicinal purposes of it, if you can find any. I'm talking about how it's grown up. And you and I know anybody can go in there, use it recreationally, and ruin their lives. Temptation is all around us. And so what's happening is that there is a 
temptation to step back into a former lifestyle, which leads us to that second section. Back up, starting in verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that has sanctified him and who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who it is said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. See, the comparisons to saying that Jesus is better also means that the comparisons toward the punishment of the old law and the new covenant are equally compared. And so, the writer of Hebrews says, if we go back to that old lifestyle, if we go back to sinning the way that we used to do before, if we go back to the Old Testament covenant where we were dependent upon sacrifices, that every year we're just going to put the sacrifices on the goat slaughter, one of them sitting the scapegoat out, and we're going to say, woohoo, we're good, we can go live how we want to. If we keep on sinning that way, do you realize that even under the old covenant, there was punishment that if you broke the law, it would lead to your death? On two to three witnesses, you got, you got into an adulterous relationship, and there are two to three witnesses, they stoned him to death. That, that was the punishment under the law. You murdered somebody, well, you get stoned to death. There's a lot of stoning, okay? You, you do false prophecy, you get stoned to death. God was really serious about his law. And that law led to an earthly death for those people who broke egregiously the laws of God. If we keep on deliberately sinning, there's no sacrifice for sins left. And under the law, you would be met with physical death. And the comparison is this. But if Jesus is the originator of a better covenant, then how much more should the punishment be? If the law brought a sense of relief once a year through the sacrificial system that somehow God has, is, is going to take care of these sins and I can go off and live whatever, how much more would it be for the Son of God who died for you, who rose from the dead, whose blood sanctifies you and brings you into an eternal relationship with God that He wants to share with you forever in heaven and you just treat it as an unclean thing that you could care less about? doesn't really matter if Jesus died for him, I'm going to live how I want to live. What kind of punishment does that really deserve? That's what the writer of Hebrews is asking. Say, that's why it's deserving of eternal damnation, eternal hellfire, eternal separation from God. Because he wants to bring you into his family forever. He's paid the price for you. And for you to turn away from that and think, well, God should love me anyway. He has. He's already shown you that. That's why this is a better covenant. And he's trying to give them confidence that they can trust and continue to walk in Christ. 
and not return to these old ways that are inferior and do not bring a lasting salvation. And it's not just the Hebrew writer that writes this for the Jews. We look at First Peter, and Peter says the same thing to the Gentile audiences. Let's take a look at the warning that Peter puts, and you're going to see the same flavor of stuff here. So First Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. And as a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what the pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. And they think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. You hear the same thing, right? That old past, even if you weren't a Hebrew, the life that you lived, that you thought was so good, still leads you to destruction. And those who are living that life and are are part of that old posse maybe that you've been a part of may find it strange that you're trying to live for Christ. And they heap abuse on you. What are they doing? They're persecuting you, right? For living a life differently. And the temptation is, well, man, it would be so much easier if I just gave in and did what I always used to do. If I was out with my friends and did what they always used to do. But we're going to have to give account. And what you've chosen is better. Your choice, my choice, to follow Jesus is better, despite whatever it is we might be suffering through. Because we're not looking with our eyes here on earth as if this were the ultimate reality. It's the shadow lands, guys. The ultimate reality is with Christ. Where you and I have the opportunity to be with Him forever, reconciled through our belief in Jesus Christ and His sacrifice on the cross. So, I did this backwards on purpose. We want to go to this first section here. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Because through this, this is right after his argumentation that Christ is better. And right before he begins to talk about, you know, all the suffering they've been through and the sinning that they are tempted to go back to. Because he begins this passage of Scripture with what will keep them Strong in the faith, despite all of these things that they're going through. The temptations that are there. The, the desire to go back to an old lifestyle. That has produced nothing but sorrow and death for us. And so he gives us a prescription. There's description and prescription in the scriptures. Description is when it describes what's happening. That doesn't mean God is for it. It means... This is what happened. Good or bad, this is what happened. It's like a recording of history. And then there's prescription. This is commands that as believers we are called to do. And the reasons behind it. This is prescriptive, saying you want help for all this suffering that's going on. You want help 
for the idea that you're going to be struggling with going back to a sinful lifestyle that every single believer struggles with. Every single one of us does. Here's how you handle it. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and a full full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we're told a few things here. So here are the things that we're told. Our list that doesn't ever need to change, right? Is my trust in the word of God where God's promises are found? That we need to go back again and again and again and review those things by which we believe. So when doubts come in, what do I go back to? I go back to the Word of God. Why? Because I'm confident that this is the accurate testimony of God about Jesus and what has happened. I go back to my commitment to follow Jesus Christ. There's an allusion here to baptism, being washed with water. This idea that we're professing our faith before other people so that we're held accountable within that same faith together. And then finally it says this, our commitment to meet together with God's people. Why? So that we can encourage one another in our faith as we see the day of judgment approaching. So that we can hold over this confidence that we have in Jesus Christ that above everything else, I don't know what's happening in this world, but I know that Jesus has overcome the world. And you know what? That gives me confidence to live despite whatever's going on out there and whatever might be hitting my life. I know it's temporary because someday I'm going to be with Jesus and that's forever. And we need each other for that. This is the prescription for that. And so when we don't meet together, we don't get encouraged. We don't get reminded of the day of judgment, the finality, the realization that these are just shadow lands. We lose hope and we fall back into sin. Sinful patterns that happened before we came to know Jesus Christ. This is why what we're seeing in our country, I don't know if you've noticed, our country has been precipitously going... But ironically, so has the gathering of believers. If you look, those lines are pretty scarily together. It all started with people calling the churches non-essential. And we bought into it. And we stayed away. And so we stayed away from encouragement. We stayed away from people reminding us of the confidence that we should have in this better covenant. And many who have walked out of this place have walked back into former lifestyles that neither save nor give any sense of peace or freedom. All under the guise of being free to do whatever I want. 
This place is important, not because I say so, but because God's word says so. That if you want to be encouraged that this is a better covenant, that you want to be encouraged that that being in relationship with Jesus means something, then we need one another. You and I in fellowship together is important. You and I having confidence in His Word and diving into the Word so that we listen to His voice and His voice becomes greater than the world's voice around us. That's why I harp so much about being in the Word, guys. Not to be mean, but if we're not doing it, we're open to the enemy's attack. We're open to giving up this confidence that you and I have for a greater covenant that Jesus has promised all who believe in Him and the blood that covers us, that sanctifies us, that has us prepared for heaven and relationship with Him forever. We don't need to forget that because that's the reality. This is the shadow land. And you know what? You're not going to hear that message at work. And you're not going to hear that message at school. And you're not going to hear that message on your entertainment. Whether you're watching YouTube TV or Netflix or whatever it is you're watching. You know where you're going to get that reminder? Here, among the people of God. That's it. That's why we're commanded to meet together. To remind ourselves of this better covenant. So that we can leave this place and live like we're citizens of heaven and not of this earth. Would you guys stand with me? Now it's so important that you guys understand how much we need one another. How much we need Jesus. How much these two go together. That the place of Community is also the place that God has commanded us to strengthen our faith in Jesus. And you can't do it apart from one another. You just can't. And my prayer for you is that you know that you would have a confidence that Jesus is of this better covenant. My prayer is that if you haven't had that, I pray that you would know that today because you stepping away from a place like this is only going to lead you back into your sins or things that are worse. You can come today and recommit, be wholeheartedly in, and have a confidence in this better covenant. We're going to ask our elders to come on up here to pray for you, to pray with you, whatever it is, decisions that you need to make today, whatever other needs that need to be prayed for, this is for you. But let's look forward to this time together because it's here where we're strengthened in our faith. It's here where we meet other people who are going to encourage us to continue to walk with Jesus Christ. Let's not abandon that easily. God, thank you so much for our time together. Thank you for this day. Thank you for all the things that have happened already in this day with people who have joined our congregation, Lord. For the wonderful news of the people out in Kenya and the work that you're doing out there. And in this place, oh God, that we would recognize that you have called us into community so that we would be even more assured and confident of this covenant relationship that you've given us through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. 
I pray, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that we would not easily throw that away, but recognize your will, your purpose for it, for your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen.